Good evening, everyone. Thanks for that welcome. Always good to be here. Although I'm here every week, but it's still always good. It's always an honor to preach the Word as well. We've actually just come out of a series on the Word. If you've been here for the last few weeks, I'm sure you would have appreciated the impartation that this series has given to you. It's probably the most important series we could do, right? And I really want to encourage us to not just like, you know, next series, next thing, but to really spend time going back to those principles, going back to read, to declare, to obey, to meditate on the Word. And, you know, however you choose to do it, but I'm thinking like in my life, I want to begin actually each week focusing on one of those aspects. This week, I'm going to read the Word better. Next week, I'm going to declare the Word better and kind of move through how I can continue applying that series. So I want to encourage you to do that. But tonight, we begin our Easter series, and we're leading up to Easter Sunday, um, which is arguably the only event in history that has changed millennia of people. That's worth contemplating. It's worth taking time out to reflect upon, and it's worth inviting people we know to reflect upon it, to figure out if they think the same kind of things that we do about it. So we're going to spend this series not just talking about the events as per usual or what Jesus did, but actually looking at one of the eyewitnesses to Jesus' life and how this eyewitness met Jesus. We're going to look at it from the angle of Peter and Peter's experience of Jesus, what he encountered not only in meeting Jesus, but at Jesus' crucifixion, at Jesus' resurrection. Father God... That's the resurrection right there. And this is his deliverance. Thank you, Paul. Can we give a round of applause? Um, at, and how Peter really interacted with Jesus and what that teaches us about how we can interact with Jesus. How we can be eyewitnesses to Jesus. So I want to begin tonight with a story of a young man this young man, when he was about I don't, approximately 10 years old, he was a child, and his mom started going to church, and so he figured he should go to church, and that's what he was doing. But he kind of had this other dream, which he felt clashed a little bit with the church thing, and this dream was to be a rock star. That's what he wanted to do. And so he started pursuing the stream, he was learning his, you know, music, he was doing stuff, meeting people, and pretty soon, the rock star lifestyle began to follow, and got into some dodgy situations, got addicted to some dodgy substances, and his dream was kind of difficult to pursue because it's not easy to break into the music industry, and so he ended up feeling the pressure to get a normal job, normal sort of life, Worked in a factory, got married, had kids. Still was pursuing his dream, though. Still wanted to go and be famous and be recognized and, and perform all over the world. And so he's doing this thing, but it's, it's affecting his relationship. His substance abuse is affecting his relationship. And so his wife leaves him. And he tries to carry on, remarries. Other kids. But once again, the same type of thing is happening, and his dream is actually killing his relationships, and his second wife leaves him. And after his second wife left him, things really began to spiral out of control for this guy. And he went from 
depression, to deeper brokenness. He felt like there was no hope for him. He felt like his life was a minefield of disappointment. Everywhere he went, it seemed like things weren't working out. And in one, one day, out of like sheer desperation, out of I don't know what else to do because I feel like nothing makes sense in my life. There's just no hope for me. He called a friend of his, a Christian friend that he knew from the church, um, that he felt like this guy was, you know, he spent time in the Word, he seemed to have the power of God on him, and so he called this guy out of hope, right? The, that little bit of hope that still remains. His friend came, prayed with him, ministered to him, and a miracle happened. And everything changed that day, and his addictions left him, and his chains were broken, and freedom came into his heart. And he, he didn't know what had happened, he couldn't describe it. All he could say was that my sin was great, but his love was greater. And I think so many of us can live kind of like this guy, where we've got, we want to be brilliant people, we want to be good people, we want to make an impact on the world, and we pursue that dream of being that person, but we don't realize that we just don't have what it takes to get there. We don't have what we need to be brilliant without God, and so we end up finding ourselves in brokenness and disappointment and shame. Tonight we're speaking about coming up empty. The idea that I would say to you, it's, it's not praying a prayer that makes Jesus Lord over your life. It's not being part of a church that makes Jesus Lord over your life. I believe that making Jesus Lord over your life is that you come up empty without him. That if Jesus is not the one filling you, then all there is is the emptiness. And so we need him to fill us. The story that I've told you is the story of my dad. It's his story. When I called him this week to ask him about the story and if I could tell it, this is what he said. A lifestyle of worship is a lifestyle of recommitment. We can become focused on finding a marriage partner or being successful, but every Christian needs to live a lifestyle of recommitment. Isn't that amazing? That when we find ourselves in that space where we've been following the wrong thing, will you recommit to follow the right thing, to fill yourself with Jesus? So let's pray as we begin. Father, I thank you that you are so good to us, that every need we have is met in you, that you satisfy our souls, but more than that, you free us from the brokenness and bondage of the world. And I pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts tonight to see the areas that we have not been following you in to see the ways that we need to give up all that we have, come up empty in those areas so that you can be the sole desire of our hearts, our sole focus. I pray, Lord, that there would be no fear tonight, no fear in our need for you, but just joy that we need you, Jesus. We commit this evening to you, Lord God. I pray that you would speak through me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at the story in Luke chapter 5 of Peter meeting Jesus we have a habit in this church where we stand up out of reverence for the word, so would you stand with me as we read this scripture? On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. 
And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. May God bless the reading of the scripture. Amen. This is a really beautiful story of Peter encountering Jesus and where Jesus actually comes into Peter's space and meets him there and changes things for him. But what's interesting about the story is that it's not the first time that Peter is called by Jesus. The first time is when, well, that Peter meets Jesus is when Andrew introduces his brother Peter to Jesus in John chapter 1. And the second time is actually in Mark chapter 1, where Jesus is again walking by the lake of Gennesaret, otherwise known as the Sea of Galilee, and he calls out to the fishermen, and they leave their nets to come and follow him. And yet, the third time, we see Peter fishing again, that he went back to that which he knew, and he was fishing. And Jesus went down to the Sea of Galilee, and he was teaching there, and I believe that he went there to find Peter. I think that Jesus didn't want Peter just to be a listener. He wanted him to be a follower. And so he wanted to find him and call him again. And what's amazing about the story is that whilst it's not the first time that Peter meets Jesus, it's the last time we see Peter fishing before following Jesus. So there was something about this encounter that changed uh, Peter from being a listener of Jesus to a follower of Jesus, that he finally left everything to follow him. And so we're going to talk about what that transition looks like, moving from just listening to following. There's something about an important person coming into your space. I don't know if you've ever had like your mom's coming over and then you clean a whole lot of stuff. So this guy, I don't know if you recognize him, but the person next to him is really amazing. Her name's Jess. Um, so I was in Philadelphia in 2016, and the Democratic Convention was happening there that year because they were going to do the election that year. And Trevino was coming to the campus I was on to do his daily show from there, and I just knew I was going to meet him. I, like, I had it in my spirit. The Lord told me that I was going to meet him. And my boss, he was an American guy, and I told him, like, I'm like, no, I'm going to meet Trevor. And he was like, no, you're not. He's going to be in studio all day. His show's all booked dream on, basically, but I knew it. So the Saturday before the week started, we were coming back from New Jersey with the, the kids, and I was like tired, you can see, I was tired, and I was a mess, we'd been at the beach, and I was leaning against the bus window like this, I was in a bus of 60 teenagers as well, which is kind of why you lean like this against the window, and I saw him on the corner as we turning into the campus. And I ran, like as soon as those doors opened, I ran to go and meet him. He was not nearly as excited to meet me as I was to meet him. But anyway, I got my photo, had my moment. And it's amazing how, like, because he was there, right, all my values sort of changed in that moment. I didn't care about children being safe anymore. I didn't care about my reputation on the campus. It was like those things just decreased in value because of the person that arrived. And I feel like this is what it was like for Jesus to come into Peter's boat. 
that this man, God in human form, arrived in Peter's life. And he had the opportunity to respond to the presence of somebody amazing. When Jesus comes in, it automatically gives you a choice. Do I acknowledge Jesus' presence or do I continue as normal? Almost like Mary and Martha, right? Do I stop and sit at Jesus' feet or will I keep being distracted by the busyness of life? And I think the first few times that Peter met Jesus, he continued as normal. He didn't respond the way that Jesus intended him to. And so Jesus kept coming back because he doesn't want you to just be a listener but a follower. The, the amazing thing about Jesus coming into Peter's boat was that he really showed Peter how much he cared about him. That he wanted Peter to know that he was there for him. Because he didn't just come in and be like, yo, Peter, I need you to go to the store, and I need you to do this, and I need you to drive out demons. You know, he started with the thing that you care about, I'm going to come into that space. Where you're fishing, where you've been toiling all night, feeling like a failure, I'm going to come in there, and in a moment I'm going to do what you could not do in hours. You'd spend so much time doing this thing and trying to be this brilliant person and you felt like you failed and I am coming in to change that for you. And Jesus has come into your space and given you the choice of acknowledging him or not. But Jesus is not coming in for like, you know, a quick acknowledgement, you know, because it's easy to acknowledge Jesus for a moment. It's easy to say, Okay, I'm going to pray a prayer because right now I feel convicted, but then I'm going to continue as I was. Like the, the Trevor Noah thing, I mean, that was just a moment. It was easy for me to change what I was doing for that moment to meet him. But if Trevor proposed, that would have been a whole different story. I might have said yes. But I would have had to decide, you know, am I going to change my life for this person, for this relationship? Will Siv approve? That was what... <laughs> but you see what I mean? Jesus is not just coming in for a moment with you. He's coming in for permanent change in your life, that you change everything to acknowledge Him. That this relationship becomes first. Above all other relationships, that like Peter, you will leave everything to follow him and come up empty without him. Coming up empty without Jesus is really not a sad thing. It is the greatest honor we have. Because God didn't just come and say, you know, I, I want you to follow certain laws. He came to say, I want you to be one with me. Isn't that amazing? You have the honor of being one with God, the privilege of having God's presence dwell inside of you. And if you think about what Jesus did, that God in human form, this person that I'm looking at created me before he created time. How hectic is that? Like he created all of me. He knows everything, the future, the past, what he wants to do, how he's going to do it. He's not afraid of anything. And he's here with me. And that is what Jesus wants to be with you in your space like that. But we will not follow Jesus wholeheartedly unless we know how much we need Jesus. See, the level to which you think you need Jesus will determine how wholeheartedly you will follow Jesus. And so 
Peter identifies that when, when he says, depart from me for I am a sinful man, right? He sees that the way that Jesus is and the way that he is, like he is so far below what Jesus is and so he needs him. But needing Jesus is not about needing significance because you can find things to give you significance. And if you're following Jesus because you need significance, you will find something else and end up moving to that thing. Because following Jesus is not easy. If you're following Jesus because you need to be a good person, you will find other ways to be a good person. So you'll move into that. See, we, these things, being good, having significance, having value, those come with following Jesus. But that's not why we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus because of a sin problem, because of a morality issue, that my morality is broken without Jesus. What that means is that my ability to even determine what is right and wrong is broken without Jesus. So it's not even about what I think I need or don't need as much as knowing I don't know what I need except you. Because my ability to judge is broken without you. And so that's why I need you. There are things that, you know, we can find to fill our needs, to fill our need for significance, to fill our need for security. But the thing with filling your life with stuff that you need is that you become enslaved to those things. Because they're filling your needs, so you've got to keep serving that thing so that it keeps filling you. The thing with following Jesus is that you're enslaved to righteousness. That suddenly the person that you're following is freedom itself. And so, yes, I am a slave to freedom. I will be. I will follow Jesus because I need him, because where he is, freedom reigns. That when I follow Jesus, I'm not limited by the idols in my life anymore. I can, it's like what Paul says, that I can be in plenty or in need. I have great or I have little, but I can still say I have all things through him who gives me. That I am strength in Christ because he is freedom itself. And so that's why following Jesus is not the same as following other things. It's not the same as filling our needs with other stuff. But if there's an area in your life where you're struggling to follow Jesus, ask yourself if you think you need him in that area. Because maybe you don't. You think you're good. And so that's why you're not following him there. And maybe that's your life. But you don't think you need him there. Jesus has come into your boat today like he did come into my dad's. That he's come to make his presence known with you. He's, he's not just coming in history. He did come into history. And that already gives us that choice that we have to make. That history proves that there was a man who claims he was the son of God. Crazy stuff happened around him. He died on the cross. His grave is empty. And hundreds of people died saying that they saw him live. History proves that. And that already gives us that choice of am I going to acknowledge that or not. But more than that, because he's alive, he's been at work in your life, bringing you along the journey, speaking to you, knocking at your door, saying, I want you to follow me. So you have the opportunity to acknowledge him tonight or to move past him, to say whether you need him or not. Peter, it's interesting that Peter's language changes in his interaction with Jesus. He begins by saying to Jesus, you know, Master, we've toiled all night and we've come up with nothing, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And it shows that Peter probably had 
a reverence for Jesus, right? This was a, a, a teacher, a rabbi that I respect and I respond to because when he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. But I'm still living my life as a fisherman. But after the miracle, he says to him, depart from me, Lord. That he moves from him being a teacher to him being a Lord in his life. And that's essentially what we're speaking about. Acknowledging need is about moving from somebody being a teacher to being Lord in your life. That, that's part of the journey that all of us need to do. I remember when I was about 19 years old, I think. I remember the instance. I just don't remember how old I was. But I was talking to my mom and my stepdad, and I had made this decision that I was going to release my dad from the expectation of being a dad in my life. And it, it wasn't because, because I was upset with him. It wasn't because I was angry with him. My dad had actually already gotten saved at that point, praise God. But it was because he didn't know how to be a dad. And I kept having disappointment when I would be with him because I, I needed a dad and he didn't know how to be a dad. And in order to protect my relationship with him, I had to move my heart from being protected by him and him doing a bad job to being protected by God, and God doing a great job. And I had to release my dad from certain expectations. And I didn't do it because I had a teacher. I did it because I had a Lord. I did it because Jesus was so important to me, right, that I will do anything to guard my heart as he told me to do. I will do anything to live in the way that he told me to do. But in those moments, I mean, if, if Jesus is teacher, it means that I, I want to understand before I follow. And so I wouldn't have done what I did because I don't understand. I don't understand why I didn't have a dad like I needed. I don't understand why things weren't like they were supposed to be. But I don't have to understand to follow because he's not just my teacher. He's my Lord. We had um, Victory Weekend this weekend. It was amazing. On Friday night at the Women's Victory Weekend, one of the ladies, Terry, was teaching, and I told her I was going to steal her lines. So, Terry, shout out to you. But she spoke about how faith is a combination of intellectual assent and trust. And she was saying that intellectual assent is understanding what something is. Like, these chairs, are, I understand that this is a chair. It is designed to carry the weight of a human, and a person is supposed to sit like this. Trust is sitting in the chair. And... I can understand Jesus from an intellectual perspective, that I need him, that he's savior, that he's Messiah, that he's come to save me. But if I don't trust him, if I don't actually put my life in his hands and say, I will go where you go, I will do what you tell me to do, I will follow you in all things, then I'm missing faith. My faith is dependent on my agreement with Jesus. And so it's always going to fall short of me walking and actually following him. Following Jesus means focusing on Jesus, right? If you think about when, if you were a driver here, I don't know if you remember the first time that you had to follow somebody. It probably means you were a new driver, which is why you were following somebody. And it's like in that moment, you just focus on that person because you don't know what else is happening. Things are crazy. You're terrified of everything around you. But you're following that person because they know where you need to go. And so you just follow them. You're not paying attention to the signs saying like Bloemfontein this way, Kimberley this way. You're just following that person. 
And even sometimes as an experienced driver, when you've like decided, okay, I'm going to follow you, okay, cool, and then the person's going, and then you're like, this is a whack route, we should be going this way. But you made the plan to follow, so you follow, right? And what you're focusing on, even though you're thinking about the things you know better, you don't do them because you're focusing on that person. And that's what following Jesus means. That when I'm following him, when the signs come up to say success is this way and good reputation is this way, I focus on Jesus and I follow him. And he says, go here and I go there. And even when I think I've got a better route, I stick to the plan of focusing on Jesus and following him. And so... I feel like so many of us, this is what my dad was saying, right, about recommitment, is that we start like short left this way, and we need to refocus on Jesus. That actually, this guy is going to be my sole focus, and I'm not going to compromise that. It's the process of moving from teacher to Lord, uh, Jesus in your life at least, moving him from teacher to Lord, begins with acknowledging your need for him, understanding your moral brokenness without him, but I think it's followed by not giving up on yourself. Because, again, like my dad, so many of us reach a point where we just think it's over for me. You know, I've tried. I've tried to be good. I've tried to be enough. I've tried to get there, and I just can't do it. And Peter's words make me think that he was at that place because he says, depart from me, that I, I can't actually deal with being a failure again. And so, because I feel like I'm not good enough, I actually want to close God off in my life because I can't do it, Lord. The level that you put in front of me is so great and so high, I'm just going to fail again. And instead of giving up on yourself, surrender to Jesus. Because what Jesus says to Peter, when Peter says, depart from me, he says, I will make you a fisher of men. That when you feel like you want to give up on yourself, he says, no, no, I will make you something great. It's not about what you can make. It's not about what you can do. That's why you need me. And so when I'm saying to you, mighty man, that you say, yes, Lord, I surrender to being a mighty man. When God is saying, I've called you to have nations as your inheritance, that you say, yes, Lord, I surrender to being the one who has nations as their inheritance that you surrender to what Jesus has said to you and what he has done to you, that you don't have to understand how he can make you what he can make you. You just trust that that's what it is, that that's what he said, and so it's true. Surrender is so important because we, if we keep trying in our own effort, we will keep feeling like a failure. The Following Jesus really means spending time with Jesus, right? That's a really important part of following him, as Peter shows, because when he decides to follow Jesus with everything, finally, then he leaves everything to spend that time with Jesus. And why this is important is because a lot of us look at situations where we've tried to follow Jesus and felt like we failed and be like, Jesus, you clearly didn't come through here, but did you spend any time with Jesus talking about that thing, dealing with that thing? Because if you don't spend time with Jesus in that area, how can you effectively have followed him? So sometimes we're like, I'm going to follow you with this. And so we start coming to church, trying to be good people, and our careers are messed up. And we're like, Lord, what up? Why is that going wrong? 
but we haven't spent any time talking to Jesus about that area or dealing with that area. We think that time with Jesus means this isolated, how can I be better? Instead of how can I co-labor with you, Lord, in all of my life to follow you in everything? So we've got to spend time with Jesus in order to be following after him effectively. That these things, focusing on Jesus, surrendering to Jesus, trusting Jesus, that is what moves him from just being teacher in your life to being Lord over your life. And so really the question is, will you follow him wholeheartedly? Will you leave behind the nets to follow Jesus? Will you leave behind the things that you had based your significance, your purpose, your need, your desire upon to follow after him? I believe that there are people here tonight that Jesus is saying to you, let's go into the deep and recast your nets. That there's hopeless situations that you looked at and decided it's never going to happen and you gave up. And that Jesus is saying to you, no, I have a plan for you. I want to make you a fisher of men. I want to make you something great. So let's go back to that area of hopelessness. Let's go back to that area that you gave up on and let's try again. Let's try again. That he's, he's come into your space, into your boat to be with you and to say, let's try again. And it might not be your whole life that you're like hopeless about, but just that one thing. Let's try again. Because I haven't given up on you. I want to make you something great. Will you follow Jesus? I'm going to pray for us tonight. Can we stand? Lord, I thank you that you have done it all. Jesus, there is nothing that we can do to deserve the goodness that you have. There is nothing we can do to deserve your favor or your love, but you have done it all. Father, before we were good enough, before we were broken like we are, you chose us already. Before time began, you chose us. And so I pray, Father, that right now, as we consider the areas that we need to give to you, Lord God, areas where we have been following after other things, focusing on other things, I pray, Lord God, that you would give us the grace right now to surrender to you, Jesus, to give everything to you, Lord. Father, we don't want to be people that just listen to you and carry on as the normal. We want our whole lives to be centered on you, Jesus. We want to live for you and you alone. And so we come to make a fresh commitment to you tonight, Jesus, to say that we will follow you. I want to give an opportunity. If there is anybody here that has not made a commitment to follow Jesus, that has not given their lives to him, or that is here that has been far from Jesus for a long time and you know that tonight you need to make a fresh commitment to Jesus. You know that tonight you need to give your life to Him and to give it to Him wholeheartedly. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you mind raising your hand to say, this is me. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Rush past this moment. There is nothing to be afraid of. If this is your time, Jesus is calling you. 
if you put up your hand, if you want to make that prayer, that declaration, that commitment to follow Jesus, would you mind coming to the front right now? Bring your bags with you. I want to pray for you and lay hands on you. Can we give them a round of applause as they come? if you didn't put your hand up and you want to come forward then come through now great can we extend our hands Lord Jesus we thank you for these people Lord God I thank you that you've been calling them Lord I pray right now Jesus that you would change their hearts from stone to flesh Lord that you would remove every bit of sin and shame in their lives Lord God and that you would set them free I want you to repeat after me Lord Jesus thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you were raised to life again giving me a new life in you free from the power of sin I give my heart to you I ask you to be Lord over my life I ask that you would come in and set me free from brokenness that I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. These people are going to go. Just go with this. I want to pray for one more thing before we close tonight. If you are here and you're feeling like you're in a space where you haven't been relying on Jesus, that you're dealing with self-sufficiency, relying on yourself, I want to pray for you and if that's you would you mind just raising your hands Jesus I thank you that you will never give up on us Lord that you are greater than anything we could imagine Lord God and that you have determined that we will be followers of you and so you come into our lives with grace and power to set us free from the smallness of our thinking from the ways that we follow after our own strength and we cannot keep going, Lord God, but we know that you will change things for us, Lord. And so we come to surrender to you, Jesus. We come again, Lord God, to give our lives to you. We repent of relying on our own efforts, Jesus. We repent of doing things our own way, Lord God. We repent of focusing on other things in life and not focusing on you. Jesus, we need your grace to live this out. And so I pray, Father, that you would come right now and give us a fresh wave of grace. We surrender to you, Jesus. We surrender every part of our lives to you, Jesus. The things that we are thinking of right now, we name them before you, Lord God, and we surrender those things to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are all we need. You are all we need. And so we pull back, Lord God, from every place where we put our heart that was not in your hands, Lord Jesus. We break down every idol that we have set up in our lives, Lord Jesus. We choose that we will follow nothing else except you. We give our hearts to you today.